you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast leads the league in game-winning drives. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL, the Week 15 flagship program. Whoa, Dan Hans is here with heroes, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. And when Argentina took the World Cup home on penalty shots at 12.57 p.m. Eastern, it felt like a hole that the NFL would not be able to dig out of. (laughs) It's a big deficit. <laughs> um, one of the great, greatest sporting events of the 21st century. Uh, and I'm not going to say anything that happened in the NFL today. Tops what Messi and friends accomplished. And shout out to France. Gave it their all. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, man, we had some bangers in our league today. It was a hard cut from, yeah. That, like, and yesterday, I should what, say. One yeah. of the most memorable sporting events ever to Jacksonville within like three minutes <laughs> if you were in uh, the States and watching on Fox. And yet, you know what? Those Jaguars delivered just like so many other games uh, today. You just don't, you didn't want to have a big lead in this weekend of games. I was thinking that this, you know, we always say, oh, this was the best week of the year. And this was. But I, this was, but also going back to the entirety of our show. I mean, because it, it it encapsulated the entire... We've been bathed in football since, like, early Saturday, and it's been nonstop, and it hasn't really had a dip in terms of the drama and the action. So I would nominate it as the best week of football that we've had ever in our podcast. That said, I can't really remember any of the other weeks uh, uh, I feel like in, we on had, a weekly basis. I'm with you. I feel like we had this conversation maybe two weeks ago that it was the best week. <laughs> but also, the later you get now into the season... It's the more state, meaning. Remember what we talked about Thursday. This has got to have it Saturday right. and Sunday in the NFL. So a lot of these games and how they ended have immense ramifications. 
Uh, I mean, I think Messi was feeling the heat from NFL Network. They're like, wow, NFL Network had a triple header and had the biggest comeback ever. And that Bills Dolphins game may be the most memorable game of the year. We need to step it up. That's when you saw all the um, <laughs> the natives uh, of Argentina at the game sobbing. They were saying to themselves, oh, my God, we, we finally outshine the Ravens and Browns. <laughs> well, that, that's well, a we, tall task. We don't speak about that part of the triple header. In two. fact, as we get into the games, you'll you'll notice in the structuring here, we're going to hit the two uh, Insta Classics from Saturday, and then we're going to kick that other AFC North game down the list a little bit uh, because, quite frankly, there are a large handful, a bushel of great games to get to. So let's start, yes, on Saturday, and let's start with the first game of the week and what I call the greatest lock that has ever been locked in the history of locks. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Snap spot. Joseph, right-footed kick. It is good! And the Minnesota Vikings have completed the greatest comeback in the history of the National Football League. From 33 down, they beat the Indianapolis Colts. The Vikings are NFC North champions. <laughs> Uh, and that reminds me, actually. Oh, yes, of course. Bongo's the right at the top. Bongo approves. Um, midway through this game, when it was 33-0 at half, I believe it was our buddy Aaron Nagler, uh, who covers all things Packers, we either tweeted or retweeted something along the lines of, oh, I'd love to hear a sizzle reel of Paul Allen today. Uh, Paul Allen of KFAN. Uh, well, it ends up we did hear KFAN's Paul Allen on this program because, yes, the Vikings do something that's never been done in the history of the NFL, which is 103 years, by the way. They erase a 33-point deficit, beat the Colts 39-36 on Greg Joseph's 40-yard field goal with three seconds left in overtime. And, yes, that's how they finally, at long last, clinched the NFC North. And, uh, Mark, uh, this is uh, a game that I don't even know where to start on this one because we, it's a game you could watch football your whole life and never see anything like this. I mean, I'd start with the hole that they buried themselves in. And it was just – it's one of these games on Twitter where the Minnesota Vikings, who have been – suspicious to onlookers all season for their ability to go to sleep and then maybe wake up at the last minute when these one one score games they're a regression candidate this was the game where it was like yeah this is the vikings team we don't trust you have a blocked punt return 24 yards for a touchdown you have a lost fumble near the red zone a botched fake punt that led to another score and a 17 yard pick six i mean all this stuff just unraveled in such inglorious fashion that the Vikings were called out as total frauds and suddenly we're having rightfully rightfully we're yeah. having these Jeff Saturday on Saturday jokes I mean every every mm -hmm. ugly thing is happening at one point it looks like Justin Jefferson stuck on the ground not moving you might have just gone to the darkest possible place for the Vikings and then they worked their way out of it and everything turns around and what we think about the Vikings at the end of the day is completely different and I look at this Vikings team in terms of how they must be built mentally and psycho psychologically inside that locker room, is they can think they can win any game ever, and they've done it twice now this season. Well, they were they were let back into it in many different ways by the Colts playing it safe. It's the, the only way that could happen. The, yeah, the, the other team really has to step up in this situation. Jeff, Jeff Saturday. It doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of the, the heat here. I see a lot of like Matt Ryan is the the 
you know, owner of the two Four biggest Neverland. comebacks in the history of the NFL. And I'm thinking, I mean, they did put up 33 in this game, kind of like they put up 35, although they somehow put up 36 points in the end in this game with one offensive touchdown. And a lot of the reason they didn't score more is they kept running the ball on like third and five inside the 10 yard line and settling for field goals. But so many things happened during this comeback. It, only Kirk Cousins could come back in a game where like I think his PFF score for what it's worth in this game was like was terrible because he had a couple turnover worthy plays during the comeback here are some things that happened he threw an interception in the fourth quarter with eight minutes left up 16 uh the Colts had a first down Down in this game down 16 sorry yeah the Colts had a first down in this game up eight with under four minutes to go there were the two Vikings overturned touchdowns which were just uh, really frustrating. I think Sinful. it was the worst off- officiated game we've ever seen, and it feels good. It was an ultimate ball-don't-lie situation coming back. And we also saw Jeff Saturday pass on a potential game-winning 53-yard field goal in a day where his kicker was the best that was player wild. on the field. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was – let's talk about that fumble, the the return. Um, the same the same Vikings defensive back, uh, who, was, who was it again? Uh, Chandon Sullivan. Yeah, Sullivan had two uh, plays wrongly overturned that should have been touchdown returns. And the second one, it was absurd. Uh, there was no reason the whistle should have been blown on it. It should have been right there at that point of the game of the Vikings having a chance to tie it. And then I, I thought it was just um, terrible that the officials, okay, you blow the call, that's one thing, but then not have the common sense to – uh, give that guy a little Sullivan a break there and foul him uh, for taking off his helmet on top of it. And then I thought about the other thing. After that all transpired and then the, the ensuing Vikings drive fizzles out and the Colts have the ball and they have uh, the fourth and one and they decide to sneak it. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but those officials and the NFL knew they were having a terrible game, the refs. And it's just interesting to me where that – QB sneak on fourth down was measured and put down and what they used, which was uh, blowing the whistle and getting to decide where the ball goes, basically, as opposed to where did he reach out where his knee hit or whatever. That was very interesting to me, the way that all worked out, which then set up, of course, the Dalvin Cook touchdown on another unthinkable uh, gaffe by the Colts. Right. It seemed like they they should have called that a first down by Matt Ryan. It was a first down. I mean, Justin Jefferson had a touchdown taken away last week by a terrible call where he was ruled out of bounds fishy. and he wasn't. I they, the, the first Chandon Sullivan situation led to directly the Kirk Cousins pick six. Mm-hmm. All right. The second Chandon Sullivan situation led to the turnover on downs late in the game. The meltdown we talk about for the offense. These things should not have happened. This was, uh, first of all, if you're an official, you are trained to not blow the whistle early if you don't know exactly what happened, if you don't know that it's a dead ball. That's not, that's not happening here at the NFL level. And the Vikings basically should never, as, as ghastly as their first half was, this should never have gone to overtime. It should never have been as dramatic as it was. They should have flat out won the game in regulation had it been called correctly. It was, it was so weird. And was Vikings cr- fans have a reason because they, it does feel like week to week stu- stuff is happening. Again, that Justin Jefferson thing a week ago was huge. Here's the thing, though. They, it was the perfect game for both of these teams. It was the perfect showcase for these two teams this season 
for the Vikings to come back and now be the author of the greatest comeback in NFL history. But for that comeback to be so weird. But yeah, like I said, uh, Cousins had a 57 PFF grade in this game. They also had... <laughs> I don't know, care, though. A, no, I don't care. Yeah. Of course, a possession in overtime where they had to punt the ball away. That was like a moment where you thought they actually might lose it because the Colts started moving the ball back. KJ Osborne stepped up. We, yeah, we shouldn't forget amazing. like the football you know, takeaways from this, which is like, he looks like a true one. He made himself some money. He's not a free agent yet. Are you saying he is him? I mean, he is a guy you can go to in major spots. And Dalvin Cook, to get them within two Mm -hmm. late in the game, had one of the runs of the year. Do we have the call for that run? Because I I would love to hear Paul Allen at some point on that run because him breaking those tackles to me was one of the all-time like runs that we've seen. And it, and it kind of gotten buried in everything else so that many got things. happened. It's so Can easy I... to, for things to get buried in. It, the thing about, we talked about it yesterday, Greggy. You were in uh, my living room. That was nice. Mark, you were out of town. Otherwise, you would have been invited well. As well, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry to miss it. Uh, Lakeisha was with us. It was very nice. Um, it's not like Vikings, as you're saying, Greg, played a perfect second half. To The only way you could ever come back from 33-zip is to play the perfect half and the other team has to choke. No, the Vikings are still kind of like, Go ahead, Colts. Finish this game off, and they just couldn't do it. They had 19 possessions in the game. That's how you do it. And and Kirk Cousins, I don't really care about the grade or whatever. All I know is he finished with four touchdowns and 460 yards in a game they were being shut out at halftime, which that's certainly never happened in football history. And let's hear from Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings coach, who by the you know had to be feeling it on a level perhaps he never has felt it on a football field. When I tell you guys, uh oh, uh oh. Brian, coach alert. When I tell you guys I love you, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And that will never change. I will ride with this group until they don't let us play any more games. Yeah, buddy. So, bring it tight, and then I want to hear you guys celebrate the 2022 NFC North Championship. <laughs> All right. <laughs> love it. There are so many stories coming out of this game that Greg Minuski, the, the linebackers coach, told Eric Hendricks just out of halftime, I guarantee this will be the biggest comeback in NFL, in NFL history. Eric Hendricks basically said that when the reporters came back to it, he just said, reporters, get out of here. This is our time. We don't want to deal with you right now. And Patrick Peterson was the guy that at halftime kept shouting five touchdowns. It's all you need. We got you. And the one thing about Kirk Cousins, because maybe the overall grade was bad, but if you go look at EPA, for instance, in the second half, he generated the second most passing EPA in the, sec- in the second half in overtime by a quarterback all season, and he had more open receivers at, at, in the second half than twice, than twice in the first. Just saying that his second half grade, would, if they break it down that way, was phenomenal. That's what I mean, though. Like, he had to have so many chances. That's why it was so interesting. They had 19 possessions, like I mentioned. For instance, like the Browns and the uh, Ravens had nine each in their games. They, no, it felt se- like it. they have 17. They were able to withstand Cousins throwing that interception in the fourth quarter and turning the ball over on downs when he made a ghastly decision to run out of nowhere on fourth down and got tackled because the defense of the Vikings stepped up and just totally stopped Matt Ryan and the Colts from doing anything. Uh, and the Colts would be back in the uh, little uh, in the race hunt in the hunt. Graphic, if not for this result, because thankfully the they're not. Fine uh, that was nice. Uh, and yes, I did lock up the Vikings. That is a that that will never happen again either. I did I, I did send a text at one point that you know I got to stay in lock mode, get it to thirty to seven, start forcing some turnovers and let it get weird. Look at you. So, I, but I also was outwardly 
like pushing for the cancellation of the Minnesota Vikings in the first half. So on Twitter, so I love how when the Vikings are down by thirty plus points and I lock them up, they just lose forty to three. But when they're down thirty three zero, you lock them up, they come back and win. That's cool. That's how it works. Shake it off, buddy. All right, let's keep moving. All time game there, and then the late game on Saturday night. Major implications in the AFC to a snowy Orchard Park. We go. Here we go. The game on the line. The snow is flying. The snap is good. The hold is good. The kick is up. The kick is good. It is good. The fireworks go off. The Bills go back to the playoffs for the fourth consecutive year. The Bills win it 32 to 29. Amazing. Amazing. Beautiful. John Murphy with the call. WGR. That is Tyler Bass hitting a 25-yard field goal as time expired. Pushing the Bills to a 32-29 victory over a game Dolphins team on Saturday night. Buffalo overcame an eight-point deficit um, in the final quarter with Josh Allen driving his team to scores on each of the final two possessions. And yes, it's the fourth straight playoff berth for the Bills. They're five, fifth and sixth seasons under Sean McDermott. Greggy, mm. um, like I said, you got to credit the Dolphins. They went up there. They played a really good game. I challenged on this podcast Tua to have any ability to throw the ball with um, any level of success. And he had plenty of success. In fact, those receivers let him down pretty big time in some big spots. Um, And yet Buffalo found a way. And as a result, they're going to win this division. I just think of those last two drives. They're down 29-21 at home. It almost felt like it was scripted by NBC. Let's keep the field nice and clean, good weather. Let's have some offense early. Let's add the snow in the fourth quarter as the big finish. Let's get the stop uh, from the Bills defense a couple times. It was NFL Network, by the way. Oh, that's right. respect. What am I thinking? Uh, (laughs) Your employer. They get a couple stops with Tua where there's miscommunication. Not exactly bad plays, but they get a couple stops down eight. And those two drives were really telling because the first one was running the ball down their throats. The Allen when he needs to, can just take off and run, and they get a big run from James Cook, and they get that touchdown quickly. Then they get a, they get the stop uh, to tie game. They get the ball back with almost six minutes to go, and they do the type of drive we don't think that Bills can kind of do, a six-minute drive where they just take the will away from the Dolphins, and it's not really with the running games. It was with those arm throws that Josh Allen can make that Tua can't, that nobody can except for maybe Patrick Mahomes. Some of those opposite field hash throws, including on that last drive, uh, including a third down play there, like are just plays people can't make. And he made a few of those in this game to score touchdowns early. But I love that he did it late using his mind, knowing exactly when they were blitzing, when they were dropping off coverage, exactly who to go to. Every decision was just absolutely spot on and then you win a division title. Well, in a different situation, you know, with the Bills team we've seen, maybe they melt because at one point it was second and 18 at the Buffalo 13 after Allen had been dropped on a big takedown and he completes the 15-yarder to Gabe Davis. That's, then, the, that, that's right. an arm strength throw right there. There yep. you go. Then he converts the third, the third down, third and three throw as well. So you're right. They were two very different drives because the one previous were Allen who accounted for 381 yards on the day and four touchdowns. It's like, okay, he's back. We're good with that. 52 yards on that one drive and the game-time two-point conversion. Just, you know, he had offensive linemen out. Mitch Morse got hurt in this. They were already missing a guard. It's like they've been dealing with offensive line issues for weeks. He just put it on his back in a snowy environment, and he did it. 
I loved it. What I mean, can, this was what the can Bills team do? we were waiting for. What can he do? Like, when you're watching no. this, Dan, aren't you thinking, like, this is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life? Like, this game showed him doing every different possible thing that you can do as a quarterback. Yeah, I think what makes him so special is that that variety of skills he brings. If you need to make a Herbert-like throw, he can give you that. If you need him to truck somebody, he can do that. If you need him to get down the edge and shoot down the sideline 50 yards, he could do that. He's he's the perfect quarterback in a lot of ways. And in the perfect city, in the perfect region, like he's built for this type of weather. I just thought, yeah, it was a, it was a special fun game, a Saturday night game in December. Everybody in that stadium will remember that one forever. And Again, like to circle back to Miami, I, I think, you know, this is where they, I think, not just to me, but to anybody else that was doubting them, they can, they're not going to collapse, I don't think. I think they, they're going to get one of those wild card spots, and they could be a tough out in the playoffs. I don't think they're a perfect team, uh, but being able to hang in that setting uh, really showed their abilities, as frustrating as that was. And I mean, specifically on the offensive side, that they were able to go into the elements and move the ball when necessary. Yeah, I think that, right. Number one, I, the, I, Mike McDaniel psychologically kind of prepped them for, we don't care about the weather. That's not going to be an excuse, which I, you know, I'm not saying that's what Dolphins teams have been, but some kind of would go up there and fold. But secondly, the concept of like, oh, had they been figured out after the Niners and Chargers meltdowns, the defensive coordinators now have a roadmap to slow down to and the whole thing. Well, last night, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I don't think that was proven at all. They're, they, they're, they're going to figure out their own way to counteract what people are doing to them. Their defense didn't come up big in, in a few crucial spots. The, you know, they, they came back in that game down 14 or 13, 21-13 at one point, all the way to up 29-21. So they ripped off those 16 points. And then the defense didn't play as well. But you got to love what you got out of Raheem Mostert. You get the big play out of Jalen Waddle. Like, Mostert and their running game can change it. And... uh it's just cool to even have the Dolphins involved in games like this. I'm with you, Dan. I don't think they're going to collapse. I think they make the playoffs. I'll remember this game forever. I was watching it in Hanano Cafe mm. with Keisha, and there's a, a band playing there. This you know, We wish Chris Wessling was here with us, obviously, for this show. And I really wish he was there with us last night. You know, there's a band playing and you're seeing the snow falling in Buffalo and you got all the holiday lights and Keisha and we're having a good time just watching like a classic NFL game. That's beautiful. the good stuff. I have a question exactly. for Greg. Yes. Were you in Buffalo observing this? Would you have been one of the people throwing the snowballs or do you not approve of that type of behavior? Good question. I- I don't have a hot take on this. What, uh, what, what, would you, would you throw, I don't think would I you... would be throwing snowballs at anyone. No. I mean, maybe at my friends. I would not be throwing it on the field. So, no. it, all right. So, at a friend. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. And yeah, the Dolphins did have 405 yards of offense uh, in this game. They ran for more than 100 yards for the first time since week 10, but they've also now lost all three of their December games. So, they have the Packers coming up, and that's they got to win. They got to end this um, losing streak. But at the same time, if they would have went up there and gotten their doors blown off, we would be it's it's right snowball. Yep. It's an avalanche. See how it all ties together. Yeah. But I don't think that's where they're at. Let's see how they close their season. Let's take a break and we continue to roll through week 15. Let's get to Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. All right, two games Saturday. Let's get to Sunday, starting with, man, who would have thought here as we edge toward late December, we'd be rushing to get to a game from Jacksonville. <laughs> but that's where we're at because the Jaguars are on the prowl, and the guy behind the glass, Gravedigger, knows it. Let's go. He dropped a throw. Looking, looking. Fires middle of the field, and that ball is picked off. It is picked off by Rayshon Jenkins. He's running it back along the right sideline. That is going to be a touchdown. That is going to be a touchdown. The Jags are going to win it on a race. Sean Jenkins pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? Wow. What a finish to this ball game. Oh, I think we might need to isolate how good is that, Justin, for our podcast going forward. Okay. From Frank Frangi, W-O-K-V. Rayshon Jenkins, have a game, kid. Maron. Jenkins intercepted Dak Prescott's tip pass in overtime. Took it to the house, 52 yards. And the Jags stunned the Dallas Cowboys 40-34. to This was a Jaguars team down 27-10 to in this game. Um, and then it became a, a big-time back-and-forth affair. Greggy. The Jags, they're coming, and they got a kid QB that's figured some things out as well, as there, we know. There's a period in every Trevor Lawrence game now that for one quarter he just, like, levitates and just hits target after target in an impossible spot, and that was during this comeback. And not all of them were even caught, and they made it, and I wasn't surprised, but I'm glad you mentioned Jenkins. 
to start it because the play before the pick six, Jenkins comes up in a run fit, and he was doing this all day. He ended up, I, I think you mentioned, with 18 tackles and the two interceptions, and he stuffs them on second and four. Before that, it was a, it was the second drive of overtime, so all the Cowboys needed was a field goal, and they had moved the ball well all day. Tony Pollard rips off like a 20-yard run, then they get 10 yards. They're at midfield, and they have a second and four. Jenkins comes in with the run stop to make it third and four, and then he does the pick six right after that. He also really started this comeback going into overdrive with an interception that people are going to get on Dak Prescott about, and they should. Dak Prescott played a great game otherwise, and it's weird I've seen people blame this. It was literally a great throw that was the pick six in overtime. The guy dropped it. It, it hit him in the bicep on the move. It was it was a perfect throw. Uh, so I'm not blaming Dak Prescott that for all, but there was one moment when the comeback was going on where Dak totally panicked under pressure, mm. threw it up. Jenkins got it, and they caught up quickly. It was one of those comebacks. That time was not a factor. They, they caught up 17 points in no time and took the lead. It was the Cowboys who had to come back and take the lead. Something about this offense, because it feels like Trevor Lawrence um, totally connects with someone different every week, and they explode. Like Zay Jones, three touchdowns. Zay Jones like was at, essentially on the edge of not having a career a couple of years ago. So it's working. I think this is a massive win for Doug Peterson. This is a team that knocked out the Ravens. They beat the Titans. They got a chance to go against the Jets. And suddenly, who would have looked at that Jets-Jaguars game back in September and said, why on earth is that scheduled for as an island affair late in the season? Or even a month ago and say, actually, the game, like the Jaguars feel like the more relevant team now. I mean, we forked the Jaguars. Woo-wee! Uh-oh. Well, we were bound to to get in trouble with one of them. Let me check out the standings here after, and we'll get to the Titans, but spoiler alert, it didn't go well uh, here at SoFi. Uh, Jaguars are one game out now, and and they play each other in Week 18. So it's all there. Uh, for the Jags to steal this division. Uh, it is, it's a team that I, I well, listen, as a Jets fan, I don't want anything to do with them right now because they're playing with confidence. And let's hear it from Trevor Lawrence because, again, it's not just Lawrence. It's the whole operation, which is vastly improved with Doug Peterson leading the way, better roster, better scheme, and now a young quarterback who is, you know, reaching his potential a little more suddenly than we expected uh, compared to where we were in, say, early October. Yeah. Uh, let's listen to Lawrence, who, by the way, looks like he looks like the lead singer of the most popular Christian rock band in the world. <laughs> I think it's accurate. All right. Let's hear from him. I don't really care, honestly, what they what, what people think. You know, I say that I, I do think, you know, it feels good to, to win a game like this on a, you know, a big game, national game, like you said, against a great team. Um, it feels good just to, you know, show who we are. So I can't, you can't lie. I mean, that feels good to show people that, but it doesn't change anything about us. You know, we're the, we're, we're the same group. We lost five games straight in October and everyone wrote us off. So that's, I mean, shot at us. if you listen to yes, what people say, yeah. you're not really in a good spot. So <laughs> directly at us. I think also Dan, looking, looking at him in that, the presser there, um, Maybe the, maybe the fourth Hanson brother that had less theatrical ambition and just decided mm. not to join right, that group. The one that, you know, played sports instead of yeah. went to the garage and wailed on the keyboard. Well, now we're talking about him. The one that, that's a foot taller and runs a 4-4. Well, a four, there's a four, reason he played sports. 40. It's crazy because kind of similar to the Kirk Cousins game, although Lawrence played really well throughout, including in the first half. It was a clean first half, too. He had an interception in, in the third quarter, which was his first in a long time and was on him. And he fumbled the ball 
with under a minute and a half left in this game on a wild scramble that appeared to be the moment where the game was lost. All the Cowboys needed to do at that point was get a first down to win or at least get rid of the Jaguars' timeouts, but they decided to throw the ball on third and 10, kind of a prayer down the field. Mike McCarthy doesn't force him to use that last timeout uh, with a safer play call. And usually I'm, I'm for going for it there on mm-hmm. some level, but the fact that it was like a deep shot to Noah Brown, like 50 yards down the field, uh, ended up coming in very handy because the Jaguars needed that timeout to force overtime and get the field goal. Yeah, and I, I do want, because I'm going to be checking this game out tomorrow, and we have so much to get to today, so we shouldn't really focus on what's coming up next, but I do want to have the conversation at some point this week, Greg, is where, where, are, we, where are we at on the Cowboys now after two so-so games leading into now this loss. Um, and the NFC East is now pretty much gone. Uh, a 10-4, and four, and the Eagles uh, are in total control of that division now, even though they still have a head-to-head. So costly loss for the Cowboys, who are probably now going to be a wild-card team. And watch out for the Jags, who not only have moved into the in-the-hunt wild-card area now themselves, although, you know, a long shot in that department, they can outright win I think this they division. graduated from berserker category to legitimate oh, yeah. title threat in that mm-hmm. division. I think that these Cowboys teams who have had some bad Cowboys vibes over the years of like blowing it at some point have to start being a little worried the way this game ended up mm-hmm. on offense, uh, four and out field goal interception, three and out punt. Then they get the touchdown three and out punt and interception and overtime. A That's overly a rough, familiar rough way to end to the game. Cowboys fans who have, Felt a lot of disappointment in December and January in the last quarter century. All right, moving on. Uh, how about an NFC team that graduated from berserker to actual playoff participant, possibly? Hmm. Let's head to the Meadowlands. Goff's going to throw it back and looking. Throws wide open left side. Brock Wright with it to the 30. Brock Wright 25. Brock Wright 20. Come on. Back to the 10. To the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. No. Oh, my. 51 yards. Goff to Brock Wright. And the Lions are back in front. Oh, baby. How big is that? <laughs> this is a uh, the announcers losing their voice week. Go ahead. I opt out of this week. I'm not going to pretend I wasn't loving seeing that highlight. Are you kidding me? We'll get to the Patriot game soon. Oh, there was no Patriots game. The only game in town is the Detroit Lions. That was amazing. I don't know. I've known Dan for over a decade, and I I hesitate to dance on his situation, Greg. You know, you got a real gift for pitch, Greg. Special honor. I didn't think we were breaking that out right away. We always do. Okay. And that shows that old Zeuser, Tugboat, is he's looking out for the show first and foremost. Because that was not a pleasant moment. Well, you're a showman. You are a showman, Dan, first and foremost. Well, you know who put on a show? Brock Wright. <laughs> what? 51-yard touchdown. Uh, catch and run on a Jared Goff pass on fourth and inches from midfield with 149 to play. Uh, puts the Lions ahead after the Jets were that close to sealing a massive win. And uh, it wasn't over, though, after that play, uh, which made it all the more painful. The Jets get the ball back. Zach Wilson, who had a very up-and-down game here, um, completes a couple of miracle throws. Third and 18, I think they convert. They uh, Fourth and forever they convert. 
um, to stay alive, but some really suspect uh, clock management uh, by Robert Sala where they had all their timeouts and yet put themselves in a position uh, where they were kicking a 58-yard field goal with one second to play that w- never really had a chance. Greg the leg pushed it left. So, yes, the Lions escape with the win. Um, I wouldn't say that the, you know, the Jets outplay the Lions in this game. I think Detroit um, overall um, felt like the better team for most of the game. And then the Jets were able to make some plays and, and put a drive together in the second half to put them in the lead. And once they had the lead with about four minutes to go, you thought, okay, the defense, which, again, this Jet defense, even without Quinn and Williams, was doing really well. It slowed down the Lions in a lot of areas. They've thrived during this uh, winning streak for the Lions. But in that spot, I got to give credit to Ben Johnson um, specifically um, for a play call that had the Jets completely caught off guard at midfield there. that The whole defense followed Amonrod uh, St. Brown uh, across on what they thought was going to be either a run or maybe a, a short like drag type pass to the right, and that allowed the backup tight end to sneak out and make the play of the year for the Lions. So it hurts. It stinks for the Jets, but for the Lions, it's another big win for a team that really is uh, everyone's darling. I mean, they've un- unlocked a star with Ben Johnson because I think that was the takeaway from the Vikings win a week ago for the for Detroit was that Ben Johnson was just a step ahead w- with in each series, with each play, and then so to see that he tricked out the Jets too. I mean, I would ask you, I mean, Zach Wilson may have to start Thursday. I saw one throw, the one where Garrett Wilson was so frustrated after, I think it was the third and 12, where he just totally missed Garrett Wilson. That, to me, is the kind of throw that – in recent weeks, Mike White was making that throw, and that was sort of the difference in their offense in their passing game. Wilson was not at his – I mean, at least had a couple of big plays. I know some of them seemed a little hokey, but it wasn't – it was just more hokey. like a major roller coaster, it seemed <laughs> he had, like. It was a roller coaster. I would not say he had a good game at all. He was he threw for 317 yards. He had two touchdowns. Like I said, if they get the stop on fourth and inches there before the touchdown by Detroit, everyone's talking about how he made a big throw downfield to Garrett Wilson then on, on – uh, third and goal from the half yard line. He he throws the ball to CJ Zama for the go ahead touchdown. So it's a totally different story. Um, But now that they lose, you have, you can actually be a little more clinical and look at what he did, which was, yes, he hit on some throws downfield, but still way too many misses on throws that have to be made, whether it's a wide open receiver or a receiver that, you know, they talk about an NFL open versus college open. Throws that aren't easy, but for a, a better quarterback and even for a guy like Mike White has been money in the bank. So that's what you saw Garrett Wilson. And some of these guys should calm down a little bit about some of the histrionics on the field because you, that's, I don't think, necessarily helpful. But what you saw there is that this team, you know, they they want Mike White playing. Yeah. And the Jets were so desperate to have Mike White playing that uh, and Ian Rappaport reported this morning that he has three fractures in his ribs and is going to miss two weeks at least. Um, they, were, they almost put him on the field in that state. So... I think this is Zach Wilson's last stand here, I think, as the Jets quarterback. And this was a very uneven result. And I think if Mike White is healthy, he absolutely will play Thursday. But I think the timing of this matchup, it means we might get might get the final Zach Wilson start they, as a Jet. They did get to Zach Wilson from a PR how to answer questions oh, yes. perspective. Because they asked him oh, after yes. the game, do you think you should, should start Thursday? Let's uh, see what he said. Yep. Yeah. Nice setup, Mark. Oh, that's good. I think you played well enough to deserve another start. I like that. No, I, I think uh, that's not up to me. Compute, right? compute. <laughs> and uh, for me, I think it comes back to how can I watch this film? How can I improve? And uh, can I keep trying to put our offense in the best situation to win? We talked about it on the Friday Fun Show with uh, Claybon. Like, 
I said he's under a lot of pressure in this game, and Patrick, as Patrick sometimes does, Doesn't he pushes back pressure. on things, and yeah. he said pressure isn't a thing. It's just that he's not good. But no, I think there was a lot of pressure beyond the pressure to, to perform, also to handle that situation. It's just been, there's been a lot on his shoulders, and he hasn't always been up to the task. But it wasn't all bad, but it certainly wasn't good. It was very up and down. Well, the crowd was on him, too. I, I, I don't care what anyone says. I don't think that feels good when you're a young player. When I watch him, I'm like, I am old because he looks 12 years old to me in that press conference. <laughs> He's getting younger? It's like a little boy with, like, uh, you know, a little eyeshadow in, under his eyes. It's like, a massive <laughs> uh, step intense pass for the, the Lions, too, to go east in a cold yes. situation in a matchup that was basically even. You, you look at any stats in this game in terms of yards, average per play, certainly the score throughout the game. Like, they each have their strengths and weaknesses, but it doesn't surprise me that these two teams, who came in about it almost as a pick like, played even. And the Lions weirdly haven't won many of those games. They've lost a lot of close games. They've won uh, some blowouts. And it's just sort of another box to check that you don't need the Lions offense to necessarily score 35 every time for them to win. And I know they got helped out by Zach Wilson starting this game, but you get a couple sacks out of Okwara and Kaminsky gets one. James Houston gets another sack. It's crazy, this rookie pass rusher. And it's like they, they are getting contributions from a lot of different players. And they're now a half a game behind the final playoff spot. Both them and the Seahawks at 7-7, seven and seven, only half a game back with three weeks to go. And how, how much one play can change everything? Just like I said, if the Jets get that stop at midfield, everyone's talking about Zach Wilson, perseverance, and leading that drive. If Jared Goff airmails that throw to the tight end and they lose, we're talking about how Jared Goff got found out against the big defense on the road when when actually the cards were down. But since the play call was brilliant and it was a can't-miss throw, he hits it, and the tight end does the rest and saves his numbers, and they win the game. Not a great Goff game. Something to keep an eye on now as we really get to the crucible. And they and so they have the Panthers, the Bears, oh, and the Packers. Up? I locked it up. You did. Gotta have it Sunday. I got. Terrible. I had to have my my five game lock streak. <laughs> Shame on you. Loss man. has come to an end. I finally got a win. Why does don't no, you feel no, good? Like literally, no one even has a recollection of that. Were we all there when you did this? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, congratulations, yep. Justin. That's I know a big, you, big effort for you. You had a personal setback as well with your favorite team. I did. So I'm going to give you Also, Sean this. Kelly picked this lock for me, so credit oh, to him. Oh, there we go. Oh, there you go. You got to go to the experts. Go to the Sharps. All right, let's take a break, and we'll get to more football. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so, I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The Knicks anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Knicks' biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Oh, yes. Welcome back. Gotta have it Sunday. Let's keep moving with another game that will not soon be forgotten. Matt Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws You're it. You're not losing. Jones in midfield. Oh Jones racing towards the end zone. Oh. Another cracking oh voice. <laughs> I can't believe what I just saw. On the first night of Hanukkah, it's a miracle in Las Vegas. <laughs> I love that. A lot that. going on there. Wow, put, I did put, not see the Hanukkah plug. Yeah, put, put, that in, put that in the best calls of the year, please. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Uh, the call there is by... Jason Horowitz. There you go. Can you really say I can't believe what I just saw? I can't it believe that in this case. I, I guess. Yeah. I feel slightly trademarked to KRLV Horowitz in a big spot with the call. Chandler Jones, the former Patriot, probably no love lost between him and Bill <laughs> Belichick, to be the one just standing near midfield, minding his own business as all the everybody in the building, players, coaches, 50, 60, 70,000 people in attendance getting ready for overtime. And Jacoby Myers throws the ball up for grab. Grabs Chandler Jones, catches it. Stiff arms. um, Mac Jones into middle earth. (laughs) And then scores in stunning fashion. Final score. 30 to 24. Raiders over Pats. Unbelievable. We now welcome in the great Nick Shook. The Raiders 6-8 and and... And probably still there in the hunt, whether we want to believe it or not. They at six and eight, they're still there, and the Pats in a crushing fashion fall to seven and seven. I don't think have you ever seen anything like this, Shooky? High school, pop no. Warner, college. No, no, I've seen it all now. I, I think this is where I call it a career. I'm going to move on now, guys, and right <laughs> off into the sunset of retirement because. This is never going to be topped in, in stupidity, in unlikelihood. In the fact that he stiffed arm not just anybody, but the quarterback, like you said, into Middle Earth, sent huh. him through the turf at Allegiant Stadium. Just a remarkable finish. Uh, I, I don't think you can say I, I don't believe what I just saw, but I truly did not believe what I saw today. I mean, so 
Chandler Jones wound up with more yards after the catch than any pass catcher in this game, um, which says something about the offenses. But at least and the one thing that kind of bubbled up as the game ended is people saying this is the stupidest thing that Bill Belichick has ever done. It's the most un-Bill Belichickian strategy at the end of a game. He didn't do it, Be- by the Be- way. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. <laughs> Bill Belichick not calls. Jacoby Myers did at least say, I mean, I'm glad that they got the interview quickly, but that he just didn't see Chandler Jones there. Whether he did or not, this was not a Patriots plan here, Nick. Wait, wait. Can I just say something? No. Did it, did well, it you're the seem host, like, so please. Well, no, I was going to say, does it – What's the thing that was the most stunning to me immediately in the seconds after? And by the way, Greg's fandom might be RIP because I'm standing next to him <laughs> and he's just yeah. standing there. And I, all I could see him do, I could see him computing all his different picks and like, what did he lock up in this thing? What are you doing his game day? <laughs> he's picks? on a break. Like, did I cover the spread in this thing? And I'm just like, that's not what is, true. What happened I to this guy? I picked the Raiders in this game and this. I know, Patriots and I can see it on your face. And deserves it's just like... a dirt nap because they're so sloppy, and the ending will kind of – that'll be the focus, and it should be the focus, but they're just a bad team, and so well, I'm fine with them Mike's taking a dirt nap. losing fans left and right on this show, so my, that's the problem. My, yeah, I'm alone on an island. They're shooky, the Browns fans still. Uh, but I have to say, um, does do the Patriots not know that game is tied there? That's what, to me, really was the most stunning part of it. And maybe there is coaching. You can't say, oh, this is Bill Belichick's fault. But, yes, all this criticism around New England about maybe this coaching staff is in over its head. And you've seen a lot of uncharacteristic mental errors all season by this team. You saw a block punt in this game where uh, the guy on the edge for the Raiders was untouched on the block punt. A huge bust by New England special teams. Um This is just stuff that's you can't ignore some of this, Nick. Yeah, and you see, you know, Mac Jones getting frustrated week after week with the offense and the fact that they can't move the football consistently. It's very unlike them. It's it's unprofessional. It's it's just untidy, and it's not like the Patriots. But again, you're right. They had to know. They had to not know that the game was tied. This is J.R. Smith in the NBA Finals all over again. You know, <laughs> well, they, called, the they did know because they <laughs> called the clock. They knew because they called the draw. They didn't call that. that. That's at least what the players are saying, unless they're really trying to cover for the coaches. They said, no, they just called the draw, go to overtime. Ramondre actually gets a big gain on it and just in, in the moment decides to Brain lateral crap. it. Right. Yeah. It's and on those two players. Jacoby takes it to it. So sometimes you don't need that much crazy analysis of it. It was just like a beautifully insane play that two players oh, uh, way, made mental errors on. But the rest of the game where there's 13 penalties by the Patriots at pre-stop and Mac Jones for, throws for 112 yards. They had uh, 31 dropbacks for 112 yards. Like that's on them. That's on them. Playing. Right. And this is a game. It was this is like five games in one. But this is a game. The Raiders after that block punt and then they scored touchdown right before the half. They are up 17-3. They're once up, once again up 14 points, 13 or more points at halftime, and immediately gag it all away and give up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Derek Carr, this gets totally lost now, Shooky, uh, leads the team on a long drive connecting on a touchdown pass that was very close and probably was uh, an incomplete pass with a, a toe on the out-of-bounds line, but there wasn't enough evidence. They kicked the extra point, which sets up the madness that we saw. Do you want to hear from Josh McDaniels, who, by the way, on the top of everything else, this was him against the master, the pupil against master. Right. The, I didn't see the midfield handshake on this one, but that had to be a little bit weird for Bill. Here's McDaniels after the game. Don't get tackled by the quarterback. I mean, literally, I just was thinking I couldn't, I you know, it was obviously very um, – I don't know what the word would be, but I was, I was, you know, once, once Ramondre pitched the ball to Jacoby, you know, I, I figured we'd probably just tackle whoever had it, and then that would, that would be it. We'd go to overtime, and then when he lateraled the ball, um, 
I had no idea. You know, it didn't seem like a lateral play to me. You know what I mean? When they handed the ball off to the back. So um, when they handed it to the back, um, I thought, you know, okay, tackle him, go to overtime. And then when I saw the ball up in the air and then I saw Chandler underneath it, I'm thinking, oh, my God, we might we might have a chance at this. And then when he caught it, I just I saw Mac was back there and um, just hoping that he could avoid, you know, whatever effort that Mac had to tackle him. And then hopefully had enough juice left in his body to get to the end zone. So I watched the hug, Dan, and it, oh, yeah. it was it was got to be the worst two seconds of Bill Belichick's week was waiting for Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones to stop their embrace as Josh McDaniels is telling him like a lot about things like life offenses, mm. probably like stick with it, all this stuff. They're embracing and Belichick is just standing there next to him waiting for McDaniels to be done. Then they then he gives him a quick hug. And well, leaves, it's better than last, the last time they faced each <laughs> other. situation. They faced each other in 2009 when McDaniels was the Broncos coach. Right. And that was the team that started. It was 2009 or 10. They started six and zero, and there were shots of after they beat the Patriots, Josh McDaniels running around the stadium, pumping his fist. Oh, I remember then that. They, lost, they caught like, heat for that. I right. Remember then that. they just lost. Yeah. That the floor fell out, and he never sure, did it again. How about this Raider season in general? I mean, this has got to be going down as one of the most bizarre. It might not end with anything. It probably won't. It's probably an eight and nine team or whatever it's going to be. But almost every game is memorable and, quite frankly, bonkers. Memorable for their bad reasons. Usually, the fact that they blow right. so many leads and but their they've offense. had a few go the other way now in the last month. Yeah, yeah, their offense, they can't get to Devontae Adams in the second half. That's consistently a problem for them. But, yeah, it's been a bonkers season. You know, at one point this season, I was saying they're probably like the best one in four, one in five team, whatever they were, in the history of football that just couldn't get the job done, but had way more talent than their record indicated. But now at this point, they are a 6-18 and because they make so many mistakes. It's just that this time around, it it paid off for them. And, you know, it was not a a great Sunday for Zeuser and got knocked out of my fantasy playoffs. That's not pleasant either. But then I remembered after this, right as we were coming to the studio, oh, Scott Zolak had to react to this <laughs> on, on live radio. So let's check in the sentient Powerade bottle with his partner, Bob Sochi, I believe, uh, reacting to an insane play by the Patriots. Jones will give it to Stevenson. He started right. He runs it up the middle. Hit by Chandler. Jones slips and hit across the 45 with a stiff arm. Off a tackle at the 40. He lost the football. And Jacoby Myers picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Oh my Jones God. is picked up by Chandler Jones. He breaks away to the 30. He runs to the 20. He runs to the 10. He runs to the end zone. Unreal. Touchdown. Raiders. Good night. This might be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen. <laughs> See, the- and a victory for Las Vegas. I don't know what to say. This is a heads roll type freaking play right here. Oh my god! Zolak never thought he was going to sign up for negative times. Oh, did he just insinuate Bill Belichick should be fired? No, I think it's definitely the lieutenants <laughs> under Bill Belichick, but. I've seen enough little reports popping up that there will be pressure on Bill Belichick to change those lieutenants. Yes. And you can be sure Bill Belichick is aware who is putting out these little bubbles because it's the only people person above him or the people above him oh, in the man, organization. I it is I needed that. ugly. I thought Bob Sochi had a great call. He Very really professional. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. And that was, uh, I think, Zolak. Jackpot, baby! <laughs> Zolak. <laughs> Musburger would have been great on the call, too. But Horowitz came in hard with a Hanukkah hit, and that you know that's memorable as well. It was all beautiful. Yeah. And I just want to say, Nick, no more calling this uncharacteristic of the Patriots. It's actually been three years. This is Uh-oh. the Patriots. 
post Brady. I just mean they're heavily penalized uh, and they're in uh, they're inefficient and make big mistakes. Like they've been one of the most heavily penalized teams a couple years running. Like this is who they are. It's well, like, not how about the John Smith penalty on fourth on fourth and goal. How about yeah? You can't get a, a the Raiders have given up thirty two straight first and goal touchdowns. The Patriots have a second and goal at the one, and they choose to throw a couple passes and they don't get a. They also touchdown. got a, a pick six to open the third quarter. They had, they had shut down the Raiders uh, for most of the second half, and then things got insane. But we're like we're openly rooting for them to not make the playoffs, not because they're the Patriots, because they're an eyesore. They'll speak yes. for yourself. Some people for both reasons. <laughs> sure, but I'm I like I'm comfortable with the latter camp. Right, uh, Shook, you want to hang around for another game here? Absolutely. Let's go to a game that did make it to overtime, and I think everybody was kind of surprised it did. Mahomes hands it off to McKinnon, trying to dart left. 25-20, downfield block, 10-5, touchdown, Kansas City. Terrific run by Jarek McKinnon to win the game in overtime, and the Kansas City Chiefs have won the AFC West for a seventh consecutive year. Seven years in a row. Mitch Holtis with a call, WDAF. Jarek McKinnon, he is a player. 26-yard touchdown run in OT. Chiefs get three touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes. 30-24 over a game Texans team, which is fighting hard uh, for Lovey Smith down the stretch here. Um, Mark, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, why was this game an overtime contest at all? Like, how did, how did this happen today? Because I think everybody expected this to be a total blast job by Yeah, Kansas Andy Reid um, summed it up well. He said it was a weird game, and it was. I think it was just uh, an example of the Chiefs being a little bit off, and they've been a little bit off on offense um, for stretches. And then when you throw in mistakes, you get a game like this. This wasn't the Texans really stretching their legs here and showing us that they're turning into something more powerful. It was that you got an Isaiah Pacheco fumble at the Kansas City 17 that set up a Davis Mills touchdown. Held them go up 14-0. There was a touchdown drive before the half, but Harrison Butker missed the PAT. So that's 14-13 going into the half for Kansas City. Juju Smith-Schuster had a big fumble that led to another Texans touchdown that put him up 21-16. And then Harrison Butker, who we've been so used to seeing reliably nailing Let's kicks from all over the place, missed a 51-yard field goal with seconds to go that put it into overtime, Nick. But, we, you know, the Chiefs also had Patrick Mahomes completing 19 straight passes at one point. It's like when they're bad, their version of bad is better than anyone else's version of bad. It made it close, but were you ever really in doubt that they were going to take this thing? Uh, I was surprised it got to overtime. I wasn't entirely surprised that Bucker missed that kick. He's just he's another guy that's just kind of been off this year in general. Uh, you kind of saw it with the PAT that he missed as well, like you mentioned. But uh, you know that's it's still the Chiefs. They still move the football, and I like that they're actually getting their ground game kind of going a little bit with Pacheco, and then uh, Jarek McKinnon making a difference in the ground and through the air. Uh, it's two straight weeks where those two have combined for over 120 yards of, or actually I think it was close to 200 yards of offense the last two weeks, including today. So. That part is encouraging, but you're right. It's They're not at their full form yet. They're not hitting their stride entirely right now, which is fine because you still won the AFC West and you still win this game. It's just that uh, for two the last two weeks, they've taken you know teams that they should be beating. They, they've had them take them almost to the wire in each game and had to really uh, earn them at the end, and that's just a little concerning. You don't see little- many overtime games where it's – 502 yards to 219. Well, the Texans had oh the Texans God. averaged what? 3.6 yards per play. So right. that wasn't a Houston what? thing as much as so a, there were 
special teams. But like well, no, they just like again they got short field. Yeah, yeah, they got the ball at the seventeen. Fumbles. They got the ball deep in Chiefs territory on the second touchdown. To your point on Jarek McKinnon, a little fantasy nug. Mm-hmm. He has thirty plus PPR points in two straight games. Whoa! The only two running backs to do that all year have been Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler. So McKinnon has fit in really well. Nice Pacheco, fantasy nug. Hashtag uh, league from the winner. Fantasy corner from the corner. But Pacheco is <laughs> an interesting part for this offense, too. I think he runs the ball differently than any Chiefs back we've can, seen in a while. Can I tell you, the Chiefs are 11-3. and three. They're obviously in great position uh, as they jostle with the Buffalo for that top seed. I don't put too much into, you know, they were a little sluggish against the Rams a few weeks back. Um, the Broncos, that game was closer than it should have been. This, uh, this Texans game now, this feels like a team that's been doing this for so long now that they're just grinding through the rest of the schedule. They're going to get their 13 wins or so, maybe 14 wins, and then they're going to be ready to cook when it matters in a big spot in January. So you just they're, they're checking boxes and trying to stay healthy. It reminds me of Buffalo because their slump, they never lost Same-sies. during their slump. Yeah. Samesies. All right. Shooky, thank you very much, my friend. And, uh, you know, well, if we don't see you before the holidays, Merry Christmas. Oh, thanks to you guys as well. Uh, thanks for having me as always. <laughs> Happy holidays and start celebrating Hanukkah as I just found out started today. Yeah, there we Horowitz go. Oh, yeah. all over it. Now we all know. Spot. The Shook family, I, that had got to be a fun Christmas. He's got like 17 cousins and siblings and all, oh, all over. Got to be a lot, of, a, a lot of Miller Light being ingested. That's very, a very beefy prediction. crowd. <laughs> Plenty. You, you know my, you know my, uh, my favorite there. Thank you. A lot of Boggs Light. <laughs> all right. See you later, buddy. All right, let's keep rolling. A lot to get to. Let's head across the sidewalk to SoFi Stadium where the Chargers were looking to solidify their uh, wild card spot and the Titans were looking to get things calmed down. Spoiler alert, they didn't. Locking up against the This will be a 43-yard kick from the right hash. Uh Uh-oh, there he is. Kick is up and it is good. Voice crack, come on, money. Oh, Cameron Dicker. Puts the bolts up three with four seconds to go. What a drive. Money's voice has never cracked. So on the day where all the announcers are amped up and frying their vocal cords with screams from the booth, Money, the great professional, cannot be undone. Money with Jeremiah in there somewhere. KYSR on the call. Ah, let's, get some, let's get some kicker club music in here. Ooh. For Dicker the Kicker. Dicker the kicker for a team, the Chargers, who have long struggled to have any type of, you know, trust in the guy that, as we all know, and why they're celebrated on this podcast, have such a huge role in getting teams to playoffs and separate seven and nines from nine and sevens or nine and eights from eight and nines. Dicker, he's been doing it all year long, and he did it again there um, at the gun, allowing the Chargers to move past the Titans uh, a 17-14 win. Those Chargers are now eight and six. And uh, Mark, the Titans keep losing now seven and seven, and only a game up on the Jags. I feel for them in this one because you have Ryan Tannehill and an offense that's struggling all game on third down. They were just—they've been awful on third down all year. And it came down to a last stand for Ryan Tannehill. He was playing on a messed up ankle. He left the game for a while early, had to go have it heavily taped, and just refused to come out. Like, he's just the tough. We just get this every week. There's some example of why I think he's the toughest 
quarterback in the AFC. Other people have other standards that are higher than him. That's who he is. He made a couple of key throws when they were down 14-7 to with less than three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Chigokonkwo, Austin Hooper, Derrick Henry had a big run, and then Henry got stuffed, and then Tanny barreled in for the tying touchdown, and you thought, what? The Tennessee has worked their way out of this dark corner they're in, but they left Justin Herbert. They might go for two there to take the lead. They could have. I mean, they didn't, but they left Justin Herbert too much time, and he got to work. It was the Herbert from last week on this last drive, a 16-yarder to Mike Williams, a 6-yarder to Gerald Everett, and an insane on-the-move throw to Mike Williams, who is, Greg, I know you mentioned this on the Thursday show, that he's just doing things down the field that other wide receivers are not. And we used to see it in flashes. He's now doing it regularly. He That went to the Tennessee 20. They spiked the ball. Then they got a weird delay of game. And this is why this was happening right when that Raiders thing was happening. Right. And down in our newsroom, everyone's on a – I'm on tape delay on game pass at my desk, and everyone's ahead. And I thought – wait a minute, Dicker's lining up for this after the delay of game <laughs> kick. He must have missed this thing. People are going crazy. Then I see the Chandler Jones <laughs> thing. I see Dicker hitting the kick and yes, the game is over. Yeah. But it, it really kills me, and we should bring in Grave Digger. It kills me for the Titans because their defense today, I thought, played one of the best games they have played all year. Joshua Kalu, DeAndre, like what he did when he blew up DeAndre Carter on a big run. Guys like Demarcus Walker, Roger McCrary, who had a tipped interception de- leaping out of bounds to Kalu, which the is the best interception play- I've ever seen in I my life. I have to say it absolutely was. It was like an orchestrated volleyball play. Yeah. And you just thought <laughs> it was like a ti- cricket play. I thought the Titans were just gonna <laughs> going to find a way on? to do this. So I can't imagine what uh, it was like for you to be in the stadium, uh, which was very loud today. I'll give the Chargers See, Mark wanted some validation after jumping on the Titans bandwagon. This was going to oh, be his time. Shot, well, it. no, I feel bad for, it, for our producer. As Mark alluded to there, Justin uh, did uh, go across the sidewalk and attended this game, and uh, he's a pro because he's back in the studio now. I got Robert Woods' glove. Oh, how? Can you believe that? Wait, are you a guy, you're a go-by-the-tunnel guy and no, wave your hands? Does I'm he not. know you have I it? I had to leave the game at 4 o'clock, three minutes left in the game before the Titans <laughs> completed their comeback. Oh, wow. Randy Chavez was also in the stadium the randomly. Randy. Love that With dude. tickets by the tunnel, and he got this and gave it to me. What a good what dude. What an amazing, cool Also, thing like, Robert Woods hasn't really needed those gloves this year, so... I, I, we were kind of joking that they're a little small, actually. <laughs> Doesn't um, smell normally. I, didn't, smell I did sweat? not give it a whiff. I'm yes, not is. really curious. Um, I think there was a turning point in this game. The Titans missed a 51-yard field goal, which, like, you were just saying, Dan, the reason we played it for Cameron Dicker here, by the way, hook him, uh, <laughs> is that this, this is the difference between a 7-9 and nine or 9-7 nine and seven team. Like, Randy Bullock has missed a potential game-winning field goal early in the year for the Titans. That could be a huge win when it comes down to the standings. And then a 51-yarder, which, like, 51's not automatic, but there are some teams who have kickers where 51 yards is automatic, and the mm-hmm. Titans certainly well, do not. Well, like, zero wins so far. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, he should be able to hit a 51. I mean, NFL kickers these days, 51 yards is you like. You know, I hit a 30-yard field goal at SoFi Stadium at the holiday at the party. Holiday party. Last year. Maybe you should kick for the so Titans. So let's, let's, let's on, make that kick is what I'm saying. On that the sequence, for him at least. the Titans end up in their first and 10 at the, L, at the Chargers 25-yard line. And they end up kicking a 51-yard field goal because they lose eight yards from there and get a fourth and 18. After a second and 16 following a Tannehill sack, they run the ball second and 16 for seven yards. You're at third and nine, back to the 24-yard line. I'm thinking just be safe, run the ball, and kick a manageable field goal. Titans call another pass play, give up another sack, two sacks and three plays. 
pushes them back, makes it a 51-yard field goal. If they just mm. stay conservative there, you have a but chance to – I know. That's it's all, all part of what they are, which is a terrible offensive line. Not many offensive lines have made the Chargers pass rush right. look fearsome this year. And it comes down at the end, I think, to like the Chargers have Justin Herbert who can make that throw at the end. Yeah, and, the tight, and almost every team in the league doesn't. And going into these last two weeks, we were talking about Sean Payton's going to take this Chargers job. And I said these two weeks could decide Brandon Staley's career here. Dolphins, Titans back-to-back because the schedule gets easier now. He ends up finding a way to win them both. Good defense, timely Herbert plays. And now they have, like, according to the projections – uh, most out there, the playoff projections like a 70-plus percent chance because they're the sixth seed at 8-6 and six and their schedule's easy. I would also say the Titans get in their own way because I, I was counting their they, – they are the worst third-down team in the league. They had the most three-and-outs. They were one in, for nine today, I believe. They had multiple third-and-two scenarios where Derrick Henry is not even on the field. I get that we know it's going to go to Derrick Henry if he is, but you're putting Tannehill in a situation where he's got to complete throws, and he had a bunch of wayward scenarios on third down. Well, he's trying to target Robert Woods on a quick out where it's not working. um, Asante Samuel Jr. all over him. It's not open. He's trying to throw to Chigaquanko on the sideline. Kyle Van Noy in coverage, doing a great job. It's not open. He's like, I think the Titans' offense is one of the worst in the NFL. I kind of feel like Greg feels about the Patriots right now, where I'm just like, this Titans team doesn't deserve to make the playoffs. they got a lot of work to it's do. It's not Tannehill's fault, like, though. The, char- the Jaguars are playing right now Here's so much better football. That- the Jags, the Chargers, and I'll throw the Jets in. That make I'm putting the Dolphins into it. Like that makes the best uh, playoffs. Like so, if we're shuffling in the Chargers and the Jags for the Titans and and let's say the Patriots, like that's just a more entertaining. It's more product. yeah, it's more fun. The Titans are one of the most boring teams to watch, and, and their offense is terrible. And it's happened so quickly. Um, this this flip that's happened in the AFC South that it no longer feels stunning if the Jaguars take this thing. They do have the Texans next week, but it's like. The Even way the, the Texans, Texans are, are playing, playing well. right yeah. now, You're I don't think the trouble. Titans are going to win that game. You're in a lot of trouble, buddy. It H- really did. There. I mean, it did turn on a dime the moment Mark jumped off the bandwagon. <laughs> the band yeah, but I've, I've, I've now been thrown off the bandwagon, oh, okay. so you can't. That, yeah, it was nice to blame me for lingers. it. The team actually has issues. It's, you can't just blame some guy <laughs> in Los Angeles talking about football. Let's Good play, take, Mark. Let's take a break, and uh, we'll continue on. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? 
I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The Knicks anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Knicks' biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. All right, uh, I'd like to avoid this, but we can't. Um, The NFC South. We got to dig into it. Okay. Uh, let's start with the team that everybody thought was going to cruise to the title. And today it looked like they might have gotten themselves figured out. But guess what? They still stink. Bucks, Bengals. Let's go. Chase out to the left. Burrow looking. His throw Get caught in. by Chase. Heads for the end zone. Touchdown! Bengals! Joe Burrow with his third touchdown pass of the second half. Unbelievable. Burrow would add a fourth touchdown pass later in the game. The final touches in a 34-23 win over the Bucks for the Bengals. A game, uh, gentlemen, uh, that had Tampa Bay up 17-0 with about a minute to play in the second quarter. Uh, Bengals kick a field goal and then score 31 points in the second half as they continue their, um, to just cruise through this section of their schedule. Greggy. Uh, the Bengals flexing their muscles now up to 10-4. and four. It felt anything uh, like a cruise, though. Was, I don't know what to do with this game. It was so strange that they were down 17-0. Uh, dead in the water. Late in the yeah. second half. Hadn't moved the ball at all. It was clearly the best half of football the Bucks had played overall all season, I would say. On both sides of the ball, they were fantastic. Brady was really sharp. Cincinnati gets three before halftime, but you don't think that's big a deal. And then it just becomes a turnover fest. Four straight possessions, one on a fake punt where Gio Bernard didn't appear to know the play call. It would have gotten him the yard, and they snap it right to his helmet. Uh, So that gives the Bengals the ball in field goal position, but but they don't get anything. Again, the the Bucs stand up, and it's still 17-6 at that point. And then the next four possessions, bad interception by Brady, touchdown for the the Bengals fumble. Uh, I believe that one was by Brady. Too. Was, the pressure was. got there quickly, but I think Brady will be mad at himself for fumbling that ball for either not getting the ball quick, uh, rid of the ball quickly and throwing it away on third down or not securing it. Obviously his offensive line was not playing well. He didn't have Tristan Wirfs in this game and Donovan Smith uh, then left later in the game. They fumble again, the next possession and then Brady throws another interception on a, pass that where it hit him in the arm the next position so all four the Bengals have the ball in Bucks territory to start their possession and they clean up with three touchdowns and a field goal and suddenly the game was over and at no point did it feel like hey like 
The Bengals have solved everything offensively, but it didn't matter. They have something special about them as a team that when they fall down, they make the big plays. And the guys like Trey Flowers and Logan Wilson are making huge plays. They're without their top two defensive ends because Sam Hubbard left and Trey Hendrickson was already out. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Someone steps up for this team. That's a sign of an awesome team. Yeah, I thought they found another way to win. And like, you, you, sure, they, the Brady fumble... Gave them the ball at the Tampa Bay 13. They got it at the 39 when Fournette fumbled. But I thought there was this other big play, Dan. We were watching this when Burrow, um, r- you know, weaving backwards on a fourth down mm, play pivotal, yeah. and gets sacked for a 27-yard loss. A very un-Burrow-like uh, operation right there. But there is, the play is called back by holding. And seconds later, he's hitting T. Higgins for a five-yard touchdown. And they've scored in a two-point conversion to Tyler Board. They've scored 20 unanswered points. And at that point, it's just like, oh, wait. The Bucks were great for this half, and it was a very unusual thing to watch because they've been such a mess and such a tough watch. Um, but then they shifted back to who they were, and I think that's who, who the second half is who the Bucks are mo- for, yeah. for most of the season. And I, I think I tweeted about it, like Tony Romo. I think I don't know if it's because he kind of there. He's a Tom Brady. He's a contemporary when he was a player. He's obviously and the respect you obviously have for a man like Tom Brady. But you know, you could tell like Romo wants. Brady and the Bucks to figure things out. And in that first half, uh, Tony was just like o- over his heels, like with the praise of the Bucks that this is the best they've looked. And, you know, he was right, though. That's why this is, I think, as disappointing as any loss all season there has been for the Bucks, because you get to this point in the season where you're six and seven and you're playing the defending AFC champions and you're kicking their butts and it's late in the second quarter. And you're thinking to yourself as you go to that locker room, even after you give up the last field goal, all right, like everything's still in front of us. We can win this bad division, and if we can get our personnel right, and all of a sudden Chris Godwin's looking better and Mike Evans is uh, on the same page with Brady, maybe we can make a season of it. I don't think there's any way that this team can wake up tomorrow morning and think they're anything else than just also no, answer Isn't it just flipped from their other games where they're they're horrid for three quarters, then Tom Brady has the big <laughs> comeback point. for right. one quarter. Just was It happened early, but they, this is a team that rarely plays 60 minutes of football. They'll give you 21-22. Has a lot to do with the coaching. It this does. one felt fluky just because so many turnovers in a row. Uh, but Bowles feels how you feel, Dan. After the game, he said, "We got to keep fighting. We understand what we're doing is not good enough. By far, it's not even close. We've got three games left to try to save our season." When was the last time you heard of a team who's in sole possession of first place with three games left of the season saying, "We've got three games left"? Well, to save many, our season. How many times in recent history has a team been six and eight and they're in sole possession? They're kind of in uncharted territory, but I don't think that sounds like a team that doesn't believe in itself and they shouldn't because yeah. they're not very good. And yeah. we keep on thinking they could be good, but they've given us so much evidence now for three months that they ain't. They're the NFC's Titans. Right. And it was a m- mature and like resourceful game uh, by the Bengals. Although I think there'll be a little concern. They averaged three point yards, 3.8 yards per play on the day. They never got the ground game going they couldn't find it they couldn't buy an explosive play uh from burrow it was it was a strange strange game but they're they've learned like how to win in any situation so gotta have it sunday the bucks didn't have to have it they were gonna be in first place no matter what even if they lost who locked it i locked it and so did the west brothers sweating it out a little bit early okay actually wait no i should have played that once. I forgot. Mark was thinking about changing his lock, but he stuck with the Niners. It was just Greg. Westbrook's locked the glad Commanders. Glad I did. Great. So good. Be. All right, let's move to another NFC South a matchup. A gotta have it game for the Falcons with their new quarterback Desmond Ritter and the Saints, who just needed a win to get into the 
Well, not into the hunt. They don't do that for the division race. But in this division, nothing makes sense. And a Cincinnati low snap. Looks to throw. Does throw. Complete across the middle. Ball's loose. Ball's oh, loose. The, no. the Saints have it. He was hit by Justin Evans. It was complete to Drake London. And Evans hit him. And if they say that that's not a complete, I'm jumping out of this box. <laughs> you never know. By the way, they said it was complete. So Mike Haas did not jump out of the box for WWL because Justin Evans stripped Drake London. It was the defining play in a 21-18 win for the Saints over the Falcons who did not get a boost. It doesn't appear so uh, from Desmond Ritter in his first start. So the, the, as bad as the Saints have been this year, they're 5-9 and nine and still have a pulse in this division. And the Falcons dropped to 5-9 and nine and they've had many chances to try to stake their claim to this division, but just another L. I, I hate to say after beating the drum for Desmond Ritter for so long that my biggest takeaway from this game is the Falcons would probably win if Marcus Murray. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is a yeah. damning indictment of any quarterback. I mean, just because Ritter played, you know, what, one of the bottom 10 games by a quarterback, I would say, in the league this year. Maybe now we know why the head coach did not want to play him. And they still right, almost so won. you've seen this guy. I've seen him. I've he, always wondered about that because you would think Mariota would have been taken out of the lineup before this, but it was like, oh, you guys don't understand what's going on in practice. Maybe Mariota was so mad I'm getting bent. I don't know. Ritter showed some things, certainly in college and, and in the preseason, but he was confused. He ended up 13 for 26 for 97 yards, and that was after tacking on a couple throws at, at the end. Uh you just couldn't shoot straight. Basically, any time they dropped back to pass, felt like they were doing the Saints a huge favor. The Falcons were able to run the ball, including Ritter, who had 6 for 38. They had 231 on the ground. Tyler Algier was out there looking like Peyton Hillis. I told I, We got to hear from this committee because this is Mark's guy. It was Mark's guy. It's been six to eight weeks, it's right? It's funny you should say because okay. I, I did get a voicemail during uh, work today. <laughs> okay. Hello, my name is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Ted Becker. I am calling from the uh, My Guy Committee. I, I am attempting to reach one Mark Stephen Sessler uh, about uh, running back for the Atlanta Falcons. Tyler Al Guy Guy or Tyler Al Guy or Tyler Al. Sorry, I've never, I've never uh, pronounced this name. Tyler Al Algier, Algier is officially uh, your guy. Uh, hey! I would also like to apologize. It <laughs> seems that this request was put in some time ago, and uh, we've just been backed up. We've had a lot of absences lately. Uh, people coming into the Stop. office, giving everybody the flu. Just crazy. Uh, I myself have had it three times in the last two months. And <laughs> quite frankly, I feel a tickle in the back of my throat already. So, Ted. Anyway, uh, Tyler Algeyer is uh, your your guy now, uh, Mr. Steven Sessler. And uh, feel free to use that title uh, for that player uh, in conversation, <laughs> either in media or out of media. Um but not in print. Uh, that was not approved. I think you need to uh, you need to refile for that. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a time limit on that, and uh, <clears throat> there's a tickle in the back of my throat. <coughs> oh God! <coughs> oh! <coughs> there it comes. I, I feel. 
Um, what a victory for you. for Ted. It is you, a victory. I was, I, I was, lately, I was, this is nice. He's not expecting that. This, again, this happens almost every episode. There's a point in every episode. It's like you need to watch the YouTube uh, version of this show or wherever you get this program uh, because for the first 20 seconds of Ted Becker's call, Mark's face was as tight and angry as you can imagine because he thought the Charlie Brown moment was coming. But no, Mark, you got your guy. Well, I, I you know, I, I held out a long time. I was prepared to critique that um, corporate office for basically uh, the guy on the phone, Ted Schneebly or whatever his Ted name Becker. was. Ted Becker. Ted yeah. and his and his entire presentation. But um, it's worked out well. Tyler Algier, 17 carries, 139 yards, a touchdown, 8.2 yards per carry. Style, too. Everything was after contact. He was running He leads over, all dudes. rookies with rushing yards over expected. He is a special player. And we he have, is my guy. We haven't mentioned the Officially. Saints yet. Yeah, the yeah. Saints are now one game back. You do you do think about that comeback the Bucks had on Monday Night Football and think how the Saints would be in first place, sole possession, if not. Well, they look that. like a first place team. Uh, no, they don't. They put they got a fourteen nothing. This division stinks. It's I mean, so bad. Right, they got a fourteen nothing quickly and then did what they could to almost blow it. If you're a Saints fan though, I think you're at least happy. Juwan Johnson is one of the most improved players I've ever seen in my life. Was a wide receiver He's now. Had a big year. Now a tight end. Seven a touchdowns. Though. Rashid Shaheed, Every time he touches the ball, it's a sixty plus yard touchdown. And Chris Olave, another nice smooth game. So at least they have some fun offense pieces. That's about it for this game. All right. Did we cover all the teams of the NFC South? I don't think no, we did. No, we've got one more next, I, in fact. I do want to say, though, this yes. is the first time since the first ever game between Saints and Falcons that the Saints now owe the all-time lead in this rivalry, 54-53. to 53. What a day! You are the on the beat of this uh, rivalry, if anyone ever has been. That is good to know. Thank you, Greg. Yes, there's one more team in the division, another team uh, booting an opportunity to make a play and, and, and get to January relevance. It was the Carolina Panthers well, welcoming the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, let's see what Mitch does. He does. He goes up over the top. Touchdown, Mitch Trubisky. And for Mitch, his second of the year rushing. That's the way to go, Mitch Trubisky. Take that <laughs> ball in your own hands and then pound it in. Get it across that goal line. That's a great job of leading the way. <laughs> that reminds me of a... Who was the character in The Office? The woman who eventually married Michael Scott. She took over for Toby and HR. And Holly Flax. Yeah, Holly. And Holly thought someone had, had uh, wrongly told her that Kevin Malone had uh, intellectual disability. You know that. <laughs> and um, so she was being really nice to him every time. But it was Kevin doesn't have any issues like that. And he um, it just led to a, a little comic uh like a true, a true Mr. Yeah, F. Disconnect there. And that's the way it sounds like these announcers. Like, great job, Mitch. I'm really <laughs> proud of you there, buddy. Getting over that line. But Mitch Trubisky, you know, he went into this game uh, knowing full well that maybe a, a lot of people in his locker room didn't even want him on the field. Everybody is really into Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh for whatever reason. And there was some heat about him playing in this game with Kenny Pickett out with the concussion. But Trubisky played. Um, and he played pretty well for Mitch Trubisky, including that the reason I chose that play specifically in the 24-16 win for the Steelers over the Panthers was that was the final play of a 21-yard, uh, excuse me, 21-play, 91-yard touchdown drive uh, by the Steelers to start the third quarter that chewed up about 12 minutes of the clock. Uh, you don't see too many of those, and uh, it kind of for a game that Pittsburgh really controlled for most of the game. This was the game that it was most uh, typified what we saw 
uh, down in Charlotte where the Carolina Panthers had some momentum and you thought they had a chance really to make a move and find their way to first place in this bad division. But the Steelers, as they've been doing for the most part now for you know the last five or six weeks, they're showing that they're a team that can play and they can they can win games and they might get uh, keep that 500 streak going for uh, Mike Tomlin. Their still. offense has improved bit by bit consistently for five or six weeks. And, you know, I think if you look at one of the major discredits of this team early on was the offensive line, and they've been better. And they, they're, Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, is someone that like was on the hot seat, I think, heading into the season. And it, everyone's improved a little bit. And, I mean, it didn't fall off entirely with Trubisky. I have to ask you one little question about this mm. game, though. I read that this is maybe one of my favorite things. I'm just going to read what I read. Mm-hmm. Steelers linebacker Marcus Allen just made an incomprehensible oh, God, error, so getting called for unsportsmanlike conduct for going into the Panthers' huddle on their sideline while Carolina faced fourth and 27. What was what was this? I've, I've never seen anything like it. It was a, a timeout was called uh, before this play, and you just see him, and you have the replay. Uh, he just wanders over to the far sideline and just inserts himself into the huddle of the Panthers and is talking ish. And it's an automatic first down. They and were going to They scored a touchdown yeah. after that. And I was <laughs> thinking if the Steelers lose this game, that's like an all-time And they had penalty. another. I'm trying to think who the other one was on. They had another unsportsmanlike uh, conduct foul uh, earlier in that game. And I was just thinking to myself, like, Mike Tomlin is going to be cracking some skulls if they end up losing this game. But uh, they didn't. And um, on the on the Panthers side, um, Sam Darnold, it was a very Darnold-esque performance. He, he's done well in terms of protecting the football for the most part, uh, although he did um, have a fumble in this game. Uh, but uh, the offense was a little bit just stagnant in general. Uh, they struggled to score points here, and that's going to continue. You need the defense Sam to be Darnold. great, and they weren't great in this game. And the, part of the reason was Deontay Johnson absolutely killed uh, the Carolina secondary in this game with so many big catches, including uh, big throws down near the end, and give Trubisky credit for that as well. Well, he was the guy who said he wanted Mason Rudolph to play, Deontay Johnson, and Trubisky funny fed how it him works 10, out. 10 for 98. Uh, yeah, and the Steelers had a 13-minute <laughs> edge of time of possession. They converted 12 of 16 third-down opportunities, and that's when Deontay did a lot of his damage. So there you go. The Steelers continue to get better. The Panthers are... You know, just the team in the NFC South. Which that was means the Mark Sessler drive of the, of the I, year. I just thought that was the coolest thing that's happened all season. Excited. Were he you jealous, jealous that I had it? I mean, I still have yeah. access to watch it. He does have his 17 it's windows. windows. In real time, yeah. Yeah. In real time open, I was so, burning uh, with envy. So but, I, windows. yeah, I do watch all the games at the same time. On the so Can we go just quickly, big picture? Pittsburgh's 13th in the AFC at 6-8. and eight. If So they're kind of in it. I mean, they're really not in it, but they're two back with – with three to play, so they're that much in it. If Indianapolis had won that game, we would have 14 AFC teams still alive. But there's so many of these six and eight teams. Jacksonville, who has a better chance because they're in you know division race, and then Las Vegas, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Maybe one of those three teams goes total berserker and gets to nine wins. And can I just say that's a, a shot? That's a bad thing. Yeah. It's not good that five and eight teams are alive going into week 16. The NFL wouldn't agree with that. I know they wouldn't, yeah. but this is what they wanted, but I don't think it's – I, I it don't have to sit around just telling though, you it's a great thing. These teams, yeah. like those th- 
four teams are a perfect example, but especially Jaguars, Raiders, Browns. I would throw the Steelers. Like they they weren't as bad as their record before, and now it's all evened out. They all deserve to be. They're all like six and eight teams. And just Jaguars sh- maybe better. A shout out to Pittsburgh's defense, uh, which sacked Sam Darnold uh, four times and completely shut down the Carolina running game, which had had averaged close to 200 yards in their five wins, had 21 yards on 16 carries. So you know that I am a Darnold defender, but if you take away his running game and you say, Sam, you need to lead this offense, Sam, it ain't going to work. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. All right, beefy, beefy week. No buys, so we keep rolling on. Let's head to Soldier Field where the Eagles are looking to put the NFC in a vice grip. They line up, and they stink, and now there's a penalty flag. They, yep. they call the touchdown. Now, it could have been defensive. defensive. That's what it is. Offside. Pinch me with this call. <laughs> that is his third Mark, this is your hand pick off. He now has 13 on the season. You can always well pivot. You can well always done. pivot. I, I, don't, I don't know how we got to that point. I, it, it, that was Jalen Hurts' third rushing touchdown 
of this of the day, which mm-hmm. by the way has not happened on QB design runs by any quarterback uh, ever in the next gen stats era. So I thought me. that I thought that would be an interesting call. It's a seven year they era. Also, they also I'll get into why this was a little bit of a different right, game and why we had up. to go there. Let me set this up. Yes. I did not think it was really oh there might have been a fly. Uh, somebody I didn't, jumped. Oh, I didn't looks know, like I they'll did not decline it. I mean I I agree with you that was milk toast. Jalen Hurts, yes, tied a career high by running for three touchdowns. The Eagles beat the Bears twenty five to 20. Interesting. Eagles are 13 and 1. That matches the best start in franchise history. Uh, but, Mark Sessler, this was not easy as many of us anticipated. It wasn't. And I, I would say that, you know, we say the Eagles keep finding different ways to win each week. Uh, this would be the case again because they had overcome a lot of their own issues. Jalen Hurts uncharacteristically threw two interceptions. Mm. Uh, the Eagles route played for a big chunk of the first half. Jake Elliott. With the team up 17-13, missed a 38-yard field goal. They allowed Byron Pringle to essentially run in for Did a bomb. you get a bomb. text there, Graver? <laughs> you want to share it with us? I or? have the do not disturb on. I don't know what's happening. It's just okay. sometimes. Was that Jessica, happen. perhaps? <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, can you let her know we're doing a very highly work, rated podcast? Job. I will. She's watching, actually. She's watching the live stream, okay. which you can go to nfl.com well, slash nfl channel. Do you realize what she just did to Mark? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not surprised at all. She actually, actually would love to know that she just did that to Mark. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> Although, all right, Dan, Mark. you stopping Mark. Uh, you could, ar- you could no, argue that's and, 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 and then Greg stopping Dan from stopping Mark from stopping right. Justin. So it was, it's just like, I'm going to fold up the laptop and go it was, home. It's utterly exhausting. I ha- as the host, I'm sorry, Mark. I had to You're address not sorry, it one, one because day. the audience obviously was thrown for a loop there as well. And I just didn't want to leave them out in the cold. I was a delightful bell. We didn't need to dial, delve into it I guess I'll leave that sound in the podcast version because it would be strange for you to take it out now. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Mark. Well, it's just was saying the Eagles, like they were not perfect like they've been the last couple of weeks. They didn't even give Miles Sandler. By the way, we got to wrap up this uh, this episode soon because right, Mark show. is starting to get fired next up. Next show. <laughs> go to the next game. I, like, what is the point of doing this? I'm just saying I'm, I'm starting to see the, the anger building, and I, I, I know. I'm, 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 I'm not. I, I just find it like I will it, not I find interrupt. It, I find it tedious to take notes on a game and then none of them are given to the listener. It's the, I feel that's for the, the listener. Tragedy. I feel for the listener. Yes. The, that's the ultimate loser here. They they struggled, and they overcame their struggles. That's all the, that's all I'll say about Stop. it at this point. <laughs> anyway, what else? Give us some more, though. Hassan Reddick seems like uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown, and this is not going to be favorable for Justin's ears, a career-high 181 yards. He was dominant. When they started to make plays, this is like this was their bad game. It kind of reminded me of the Chiefs game. It's like the Chiefs had a bunch of issues. They got out of it. What were the Chiefs on the other side? Mostly what we think. This was Philadelphia's version of that. They still had 400 yards of offense. They still had a defense that had three players with two sacks that dominated the Bears outside of Justin Fields doing a couple magical things. Fields got hurt at one point. He came back in. They've clinched the division. They basically have Dallas next week. They can be the number one seed if they win that. This was a Philly's bad game. I don't know who's going to stop him in the NFC unless San Francisco plays one of their best operation, one of their best outings. And yet, it's like box office. Justin Fields in a game against you know Jalen Hurts, who's in the mix for MVP. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Justin Fields should be in the mix for MVP in any way, but think of how valuable he is to the Bears. That he. More or less by himself. And oh, I know, you're being I, most I valuable player guy. I like that. No, I'm saying. I love that move. In this game, how much value agree, does he way. now have that he runs 15 for 95? He's on his way to having the greatest season rushing the ball any quarterback in the history of the league's ever Some had. Some would say he's almost too valuable to this team. 
Like they right. might want to. No doubt. Work but the fact that. that he has yeah. them competing in this game is pretty special, and at least yeah. is exciting. In a weird way, the Bears keep stacking these losses while Justin Fields keeps balling out is perfect because they're going to have uh, the two or maybe the two or the three pick in a draft with Jalen Carter. Like they, you know, it's- they also have about forty-seven million more cap dollars than the next closest team, the Falcons. Although I've been doing the free agency list, like. It's a bunch of uh, players you don't want to be spending a lot of money. We don't have on to go. The they don't. Part. They also. The point being, they don't have a ton of cash tied up in a bunch of junk. Anything sure. else in that reporter's journal, Mark? There's a ton more, but I I think we need to. You know, we're being told it's time to hurry the show up. And but we don't want to deprive segment. the listeners if there's something else in there. Well, I'll I'll email it to the listeners. <laughs> All right, let's then move back to Saturday. Why don't we? Where the Cleveland Browns they were trying to stay in the in-the-hunt category, but they had to beat the AFC North leading Ravens to do it, could they? Watson, five-step drop, looking left. He slings it left, Peoples. Jones, he's in, standing up, touchdown! The touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson to Donovan Peoples-Jones from three yards out, and Cleveland expands its lead. All right, so there was a historic opening game Saturday. There was a highly memorable game in the snow in Buffalo at the end of the night. In the middle was, you know, you don't usually have this. The worst part of the sandwich was all the the meat in the middle, which was (laughs) the Ravens uh, and the Browns. And the Browns take care of business against Ty Huntley with a Lamar Jackson inactive, a 13-3 win. That Donovan Peoples-Jones three-yard touchdown catch uh, came from Deshaun Watson, who uh, was making his home debut for Cleveland. So there you go. The Browns um, have won uh, this game, and Baltimore entered having won six of seven. Now drop behind the Bengals, who are looking up uh, in the AFC North. This would be like two beautiful, perfectly created and cooked, heated, buttery pieces of sourdough bread mm. with some stale mayonnaise in the middle. Out of date. So man- no meat Although at all. You, no, just mayonnaise, out of date mayonnaise. You to, would to like your this. Par- to your yes. parallel. I'm you not don't saying like I, meat, and this game lasted like- about two hours and 50 minutes. It was perfect for right, you. Right, but Greg, I don't like stale mayonnaise either, mm. just to throw that at you. But I'm I, just I, saying, get the I meat out I don't think I disliked this game as much as, as you guys did. It was well, serviceable. It, mm. it, it happened quickly. It it's it was it, it was quick. I mean, it just was over <laughs> so fast. There were so few possessions, nine each. The Ravens only punted one time. You know how hard it is to score three points when you only punt once? Here, here's how you do it. Uh, you get inside the 10, call a play for your fullback who has, like, space, and he can't get a half a yard on John Johnson, who he outweighs by about 40 yards. Nice defensive play by John Johnson. You get inside the 10 another time. Denzel Ward picks off a pass. Deshaun Jackson doesn't fight for, really. Not a great throw either. Zero points there inside the 10 twice. You get Justin Tucker to miss two field Ugh. goals. What the heck happened that there? Was weird. Uh, you, you throw a, a fumble, and then you, the only touchdown that you give up, or you have a fumble, and then the only touchdown you give up in the game was after you stopped the Browns on a three and out, but there was a penalty on a face mask by Oof-a. Justin Houston. It was just a really sloppy game from the Ravens, and the Browns, to their credit, has been playing better defense overall and didn't make many big mistakes. I mean, the Browns hurt the Ravens in every possible way you could outside of a dominant offense. I do think Deshaun Watson looked better. There were moments where you thought he looked a little more comfortable. Their offense is not what it was before, but even, you know, I think it was important for Nick Chubb to get, have a bit of a better game. He's had a tough couple weeks, but Cleveland's defense, which has really cost them this season, 
sometimes against these divisional opponents, they show up and then they vanish again. But the Ravens, they have they've had these close games with the Ravens, and this was another one of them. And Miles Garrett, like. I don't know. Every week he seems to be mm-hmm. – I know he's not a defensive player of the year because their defense isn't special, and what does that really even mean? But he is among still the top five defenders in the entire game They right kind now. of play like a lot of weeks. They play like an 8-6 and six team, which they easily could have been if, if they just closed out a couple of those brutal losses they had earlier in the year. So there's certainly no pushover, and if, if Watson continues to get better, although these are baby steps uh, to say he's getting better, uh, you know – they're going to be trouble maybe as soon as next year, and they're, they could be in berserker mode for the rest of the season. By the way, the, the – They the, have a pretty easy schedule. I looked at the six and eight teams. They have the easiest schedule among them, all winnable games here. Well, it's, remember, uh, it was Nick Shook who forked the Browns, so that comes down. He needs to reach out to a local food bank in Cleveland if the Browns and probably make the playoffs. But you know what? I think he would sign off on that. This was a it. wonky game uh, in terms of scheduling as well because – you had the first game, which was the classic with all the scoring, and it went to overtime. So NFL Network held all these games. So they throw it to this game in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So you miss the first quarter, and then the game goes super quickly, and then all of a sudden, and props to Colleen and Steve Smith and uh, MJD. And uh, I don't want to leave the last person out. Who else was? Mike Real Rob. Rob. Real Rob. Uh, they all of a sudden had to fill like 45 minutes to an hour, I believe it was. Yeah. And they did it expertly. So really a, a strange stale mayo. I think it has to be a meat product in between the sourdough, though, for uh, the sandwich. Lamb's tongue. So this is the lamb's tongue of the sandwich. I, I would sign off on that. I was at a place um, at the base of a mountain called the Party Doll watching Colleen and MJD and the rest try to get through that. Uh, <laughs> and it was a very strange time she she was tough out there no gloves on it did have some mjd and steve were hurting man mjd was ready to go they were getting after mike rob too (laughs) ravens are going to be killing themselves though they ran Uh, edwards it went 7.9 yards per carry and dobbins went 9.6 and they managed to like not be that competitive in this game it's a pretty costly i liked a real rob's leather jacket that zipped up like like indent left and he kind of looked like a Zed's friend in the leather from a Pulp Fiction, the third act of Pulp Fiction. No, it was a, it was a very like sharp, taken out of that sharp collection, outerwear. The game yeah. collection. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on. We have one more game to hit. Back to Sunday. It was at Mile High Stadium, and this will be quick. They toss it left side. Here comes Murray. Blocker out in front of him. Inside the five. Murray leaves the ball to the end zone. Touchdown, Denver. Nice stretch. Gets up and goes celebrating. He's around one this year. Dave Logan with a call, KOA. Russell Wilson cleared concussion protocol, but the decision was made by Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos to keep him on the bench after that um, getting knocked out last week. So Brett Rippon steps in and gets some help from Latavius Murray. And the defense plays well again, has been the case all season for the Broncos. That has never been the problem. And against the Cardinals team without Kyler Murray they get the win 24 to 15 Murray uh, Greg ran for 130 and a touchdown he's looked good and Marlon Mack looked better in this game like keeping careers going here in Denver it was a sad game though because Colt McCoy went out with a concussion and considering his concussion problems over the years no, no, it's concerning he was on a third and one uh, QB sneak at that point the game was close. Trace McSorley came in and and was overmatched uh, against this Broncos defense, and it wasn't that close. It was interesting. Uh, I saw that there was not eighteen thousand plus no shows, empty seats in Denver. In Denver, that's a that's a big deal. That is a 
football crazy town that has always loved their Broncos, that tells you. I mean, the owner, it's new ownership. They're freaking out when they see all those empty yeah, seats. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think it's a top three football town of any NFL city, and I have friends that have season tickets there, and I, you know, they're they've been unhappy, obviously, but to not show up because even when the team's bad, and they had a lot of bad teams, it's still a great party, and so it's like a, really a basically a very loud voice saying, "Fix this now." And I don't know what you go into next season with, but Greg, I mean, not to belabor this conversation. If Brett Ripien is going 21 for 26, is it just a little short dump-off passes and screens? What are we looking at here? That's that's so much better than what Russell Wilson was producing. He had producing. some like wild, not good throws, but I don't know. He had a couple darts in there, too, across the field. Well, he's an NFL terrible. quarterback, you know. And the I son of a super or, or the related to an NFL champion. Uh, I just mean uh, there were some pretty nice throws in there. I'm not going to say Brett Ripien was <laughs> his, terrible. His, his father's name was Mark? Mark Ripien. But I, I wanted to make sure Wait, that it wasn't was that? his. I don't make sure it wasn't his uncle or something. That's what was that thing. though? What was his last name? Ripian, I say. Ripian. That's how I've always said it. I know you always say it that way. I there are things I but say. I think that, they say it ripping, for what it's worth. Well, then I should probably correct how I'm <laughs> I, saying I, it. I, the I, reason I'm why it's not be, one of those last names where you hear it different ways. Right. I've only heard it from you, Ripian. It's R Y P I E N. So I think even as a child, a young football fan, I was Ripian. hearing it as exactly. I understand. So if it was in your head back then, it's not. Right. Gonna I'm not be trying to, get to stage a confrontation with the family over how the Ripians. Merry Christmas from the Ripians. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we've come to the end of the Yellow Brick Road Sunday Night Football from Landover. Giants, Commanders. The winner, seventy-something percent chance of making the playoffs. The loser, thirty-something percent chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, you could say it's a big game. <laughs> Giant fans on their feet here in Washington trying to urge on this defense. Heineke in a shotgun set. Who takes the snap. He's back to throw. He's under pressure. He backs away from pressure. Still looking. Now rolls left. Throws into the end zone. And it's knocked away incomplete. Darnay Holmes knocked it away. Thibodeau had a monster game, but Darnay Holmes makes the key play on Samuel and the Giant fans rejoice here at FedEx Field as they hold on on a fourth and goal at the sixth, leading by eight. New York City. Oh, if you're hearing the Tinseltown Tune Stars, you know the G-Men came out on top with some help from the officials. Man, the officials did not cover this, themselves in glory this weekend. I'll tell you what. Loud Owen, that was pass interference. Anyway, the Giants get the big stop. Kayvon Thibodeau had our friend, our buddy, had the big sack fumble recovery touchdown earlier in the game that set the tone. And Washington looked like they were going in for a score. In fact, they did go in for a score and were setting up for the two-point conversion to try to push the game to overtime, but no. Another controversial call on Terry McLaurin. Wipes away a TD. And then, yes, that final play you just heard. 20-12 to 12 final. Giants in control now for that playoff spot. And Mark Sessler, um, good job by the Giants. Again, this kind of harkened back to the uh, earlier part of their season where they kind of find a way. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd point to Brian Dable making what I thought was the call of the game. There was that really incredible, and we've seen a couple of great drives today. Um, this was an 18-play, 97-yard drive that ate plus, ate up eight plus minutes. 
and he went for it from fourth and nine from the Commanders' 35, and it went. They, they converted and went on to score a touchdown to go 14 to three. I love that about Dable. That's the one thing about this team all year long. Are they a talented team? Are they their, their record? No. But Dayball has put them in position to do those types of things. Where I flip this, flip it around and look at Riverboat Ron, who is not riding on a riverboat at the moment, who chose to, at two points, punt from the Giants' 34-yard line and also from the Giants' 40-yard line. And these are two teams that look at, look at similar situations in different ways. Everything you're saying, I agree with, but I can't get past the end of the game and the way that this was handled by the refs. Because Terry McLaurin looks twice to the officials on the side to see if he's lined up properly because when the guy in the slot moves out, he now has to be at the line of scrimmage. He looks over twice to the official, and and twice it, it appears he doesn't get any signal to say, no, you're not there. I would love to hear what they're saying after the game about that. And then a clear and obvious P.I. also goes against Washington here. And yet, Greg, I guess the way to look at it is, yes, they kind of jo- got job there. But there was some fumble luck and interception luck, uh, dropped interception by uh, Taylor Heineke on a, a fumbled snap. So it was a bit of a sloppy end in general. But, God, what people are going to be talking about is the officiating, which is stinks. You know, right. a it, game it, like this. It was fitting for these two teams that it came down to the end like that. And it was a little ugly at the end because Washington could not finish drives throughout the night. Did they score a touchdown? They score one touchdown in the game, and they got inside the 10 uh, a few times there at the end. But the pass interference was so beyond blatant. It wasn't just at the catch point where he has his hands all over him and is restricting Dotson, Jahan Dotson, who made a great catch earlier in that drive uh, to, to set up the, the game-ending sequence. Uh, he also grabbed... Dotson's arm earlier in the route to the point where Dotson had to like move up his sleeves during the play. I've never seen that before. Like, <laughs> do you need to have your sleeves back in place during the play? But that's that's how much contact there was, and it is a disappointing end uh, to the game. But I don't think it should take away from that Saquon Barkley performance either, um, in terms of him breaking tackles in that last drive. That that felt like kind of a great Saquon Barkley moment uh, in a season where he had been struggling over the last month. I mean. Is there not a better argument for reviewing pass interference? Maybe you review pass interference mm. in the red zone. We've been through not, this. Yeah, I know, but we could be through it. But if the if the answer is we don't, and you get this tonight, because yeah. Dan, I agree. Like you asked me to like, th- there's no bigger play in this game than that, and that's that's going to be the talking point, and no other play kind of matters. But the thing is, there were a lot of other plays that mattered in this game. When it comes down to that, if that can't be reviewed. The McLaurin thing is actually is more mystifying to me. Well, here's the thing, and I, Collinsworth said it, and Collinsworth obviously has been doing this a million years, and he played the game, and he, he makes the comment that the officials do not want to make a call in that point of the game. And I agree with that when it's ticky-tack. When it's just hand-fighting, yes, you let the game get settled, but when it crosses that line where it's very clear what's happening – you just can't miss that call. And I and I just think after, especially the way this weekend started with the, the Vikings and there was some just terrible officiating in that game as well, to have another Island game at the end of a otherwise great weekend of football, it's crazy. Um, that's just the way it played out. But, you know, Washington, it feels like if they look back on this season and it's outside the playoffs, uh, it wasn't just those calls. It was the previous possession where they're – going towards the end zone again and Heineke gets knocked down and loses the ball and they review it and it's a fumble. Another huge turnover in this game. And I think for Washington, all the momentum they had coming off the bye with the Giants in a lot of trouble, 
to let this game get away at home, that hurts. Yeah, and there's it's there are little other things. Like they were it was fourteen to nine. And why? Because Washington converted a two point conversion. There's an OPI, so it's taken away. They line up Joey Sly for the PAT and he misses it. I mean just little points and plays left on the board here for Washington because they are a sloppy team. So are the Giants in many ways. And it's like, all right, that you could play this thing 12 times and they probably would each win at six. I don't see a huge difference between these two. It's crazy. This this is a case for uh, having a week off of rest is like overrated because they they Mm -hmm. tied the Giants, had the week off while the Giants are getting blasted, come back and and then lose. Got to give the Giants defense credit for playing with a lot of energy. I know the stats ended up being in Washington's favor, but especially early in the game, Thibodeau was all over the place. He gets seven. We we said, I think going into it, they're going to need some Heineke mistakes in this game, and Heineke threw the ball well, mm-hmm. but he lost two fumbles. He fumbled twice against the Giants uh, on in the first game against them as well, and those two fumbles, and Thibodeau scoring seven and getting a few other tackles for loss also... 12 total tackles like he's in coverage on one of the biggest plays in the game. I'm not sure about that, but it's like he was all over the place. Ojalari had a big play at the end too. like their defense played with energy. That was on that third and six where he's dragging Heineke down to the ground and Heineke throws the short incompletion. Which the way it goes now, the, play. the Giants probably just need to win one more game. They're, well, they're at eight wins. If you get to nine in less Detroit, uh, or Seattle wins all three, Giants are probably in. And according to ESPN analytics, the Giants now have a 90% chance mm. of reaching the playoffs, and Washington is down to 36. So just a massive uh, swing in that game. I have our friend, Mark, Kayvon Thibodeau, he did that thing on the field where the, you take your camera and you do the selfie video, and you're very amped up. I'm going to play it for everyone right now. You see I only got one eye, and you see my hair crazy, but that's December football. It's below two degrees, and we came to play, and we came to finish, man. Go Big Blue. I wish we had that guy in the studio back in June, Mark. He got poked in the eye at the end of the game, Thibodeau, but this is why they made him a top-five pick in the draft to have this type of impact game in primetime. That was his coming-out party. Big game. Yeah, I think if we could have um, you know, seen the future and told him how the last couple – the last month or so would go for him and share that news with them. That interview might have gone a little bit better, but uh, I would say this. He is has been a successful pick for the Giants so far. Last, like, four, five, six weeks, he is making plays every single time. Mm. They finally have someone. I, I, now the Giants are, are in a much better position, and yet I'm just going to be real with the listeners. I don't want to watch either of these teams in the playoffs. I'm rooting for a scenario where they both fall out. I don't know if that's Here's possible. The, the well, Packers even could get in there go, or Greg, Seattle and Detroit. The, One of the, what do you do with the Packers? Two, I'm just saying two of those three teams, I've seen enough NFCs. Washington has San Francisco. Uh, outside the Eagles and Cowboys. San Francisco, Cleveland, and Dallas. So Washington is not – it's no easy slate for Washington. Let's face it. The first round of the NFC playoffs isn't going to be so hot because you're going to have an NFC South team and one of these types of teams. Uh, for what it's worth, NBC's Terry McCauley, who's their referee guy, said it was definite DPI on Giants in end zone, and he wouldn't have thrown the flag for Commander's wide receiver lining up oh. off the line. But how do you see the problem? So is- they botched both. Right. <laughs> I, I got to say, McCauley, I could be wrong here, but is it me or does it seem like some of the other uh, officiating analysts sometimes pr- protect There's a lot the of officials? Yeah. I think McCauley comes for the heads. Yeah, you know? that's why McCauley <laughs> goes after him. He gets bricks yeah. through his window with <laughs> yeah. the paper with the rubber band like, stop now, Terry. But he won't. He won't he stop. because he can't because he's a beacon of truth. You can't integrity. stop a, name, a man named Terry. You can't stop a Terry. Okay. Boom. Oh, 
was the West Bros locked the Commanders. Oh, did they? Well, they, they called did. the Giants frauds. Yeah, okay, yep. why do I not remember? Oh, that? Right. We, we we taped too many shows. Yeah. Clearly. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Good app. Not keeping up this week, Nick. I don't know. So. Ouch! Why you got to do that? You don't need it. Um, Nick, hang in there, buddy. Keep fighting. We'll be back on Monday. Monday night football uh, recap. Greg Rosenthal and Bill Barnwell coming back. Oh, Billy B. To Return talk, visit. To talk Rams <laughs> and Packers from Lambeau Field. And uh, then we'll be back Tuesday. And then we go through the whole thing again. The wheel, the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Steve Perry. All right, folks. Thanks for sticking around. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.